How much time you got? Uh, first of all, you, you always need to have, it's called asset protection, right? So the first thing you have to do when you have a house. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Network Podcast, hashtag the network. This is episode two, brought to you by brightbooks360.com. Hey everybody, how you doing? Jeff Ship here. We're with the Michigan Real Estate Investors Network. We're at their podcast, The Roundtable. We have three guests with us today, David Sobel, to my right, who's an attorney, Paul Beats, an investor, and Chris Jens, who's an investor. And uh, today we're just going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in their life and what's happening. And we'll be asking David a lot of questions about law. So why don't we start off? David, you a uh, little intro. Well, I noticed that we're at a square table, not really a round table today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. My name is Dave. Where am I looking? Over here? Yeah. All right. My name is David Sobel. I'm a real estate and finance attorney here in Michigan for, uh, oh gosh, for almost 30 years. We'll be 30 years in June. And... Uh, let's see. I deal with everything with regards to real estate and finance. Uh, I always like to say that I not only do I talk the talk, but I walk the talk. So I really am empathetic towards real estate investors because I own property as well. And uh, Paul and I just um, had breakfast this morning. We were kind of uh, talking about landlording. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that, Dylan. <laughs> And uh, was very empathetic. I, I no longer act as a landlord, but was listening to some stories. And actually, I, I started sweating. Beads of sweat started coming on my forehead. But uh, I deal with like default servicing, which is like evictions, monitoring, collecting, uh, monthly payments. I also deal with a lot of real estate transactions. So documentation, anything from just a regular purchase agreement uh, for most investors, all the way through to the closing, uh, working with title, um, due diligence is what they call it. So for multifamily properties, uh, single family properties, commercial properties, I think I have close to $3 billion worth of transactions under my belt now. So I've worked for some of the largest banking institutions in the country, and I actually still do work for some of the banks. So that's me. Okay, good. Thanks for having good. me. Paul, how about you? Uh, so I've been here many times uh, already, but I'm a real estate investor in Indianapolis mostly. Um, maybe one day I'll expand beyond Indianapolis, but I've got uh, three properties down there. Good, good. Chris, how about yourself? I'm a real estate investor as well. Um, I'm pretty new to you know investing. Um, I spent the last 14 years working in, well, I still work in uh, property preservation and maintenance. So, you know, really just, you know, working on, you know, building my network and, you know, long-term goals of building a, you know, income-producing portfolio. Okay, that's good. good. So you two both have W-2 jobs right now. You two that's both correct. actively yep. work. Yep. David, of course, you own your own business. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you two, it's a little bit more difficult, I would say. It's not impossible. It's a little bit more difficult because you are working a full-time job. Yeah, I think David's been there, though. He was saying he had to moonlight on the on the weekends. Well, I, moonli <laughs> I moonlighted on myself, actually. We were talking about yeah, that, right? right? So during the day, I'd be in the office doing all the paperwork and all the lawyerly things that you would do. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, owning property. And most of my stuff, I didn't, I didn't go out to buy 
like a single family one-off or wholesale or flip. I held mortgages and still do and land contracts. So if I had to take a property back, uh, that's kind of how I, I yeah. would come into actually being the, what we call the fee absolute owner, right? <laughs> and um, so on the weekends, when I was a younger man, I'd, <laughs> I had a pickup and I would go in my jeans and t-shirt and then go on, you know, attempt to do all the maintenance work on these properties throughout the state. So I moonlighted on myself. It was actually kind of fun. My favorite part was actually going through the drive-thrus of whatever the fast food place was uh, closest to the house. Yeah. So I, I moonlight on the side, right. As a real estate investor and probably work, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 hours a week, you know, in my W2 job, I work for general motors. And so, um, trying to build a, a cash flow portfolio so that uh, I can get closer to financial independence and maybe retire a little early. Yeah. Yeah. See, your situation is a little bit different too. You, it's actually a great perspective that you bring because you're doing out of state investing. Right. Right. Which exactly. brings a whole different level. Yep. And Chris, you're, you're here looking to get into it and you're wanting more rental properties too, right? Correct. And you know, primarily in Macomb County, you know, I'd like to start out, doing, you know, wholesaling to build capital. And then, you know, my long-term goal is to, you know, build an income producing portfolio, you know, and, you know, the toughest thing with, you know, having the W2 job is, you know, just like you said, like we all get to finding the time to do it and you have to, you know, squeak out all the different hours in the day and you really have to, you know, prioritize, you know, where you're going to do specific things. So you really have to plan it out perfectly so you can, you know, get exactly what you need done when you need to get it done. Sure. Sure. Now you're just starting out. Is there any kind of questions you have like for David about what you need to look for and what you need to do that would, you know, kind of help our audience also? Because there is a lot of new people starting sure. out. So, you know, what is the, some of the, your stumbling blocks right now as a new investor, you know, kind of where you stuck at? Um, I guess, you know, as a new investor, something, you know, I, I've always wondered on the importance of, you know, your protecting your assets and um, the importance of, you know, having, you know, your LLC and, holding, I mean, if you, if you have your LLC, holding your property in your LLC, or if you have a large family, you know, do you need to put things in an estate? And, you know, how, you know, basically how, how's the best way to protect yourself when you're investing in real estate? It's like a loaded question. <laughs> how much time you got? Uh, first of all, you, you always need to have, it's called asset protection, right? So the first thing you have to do when you have a house, your first or second home, is to make sure, of course, that you have hazard insurance on your property, right? So that, that gives you su sufficient protection initially. But as you start to grow your business, you're going to want to have a limited liability company. You form a corporation. And when you form a corporation, uh, you're going to uh, pretty much you know, you purchase your properties and do all your business underneath that corporation. We call it a limited liability company. You can also have an, a, a C-Corp with what we call an S-Corp election or an S-election, which is an IRS um, uh, formation. But for most people who are endeavoring into real estate and they, they're engaging with, let's say, five to ten homes, you're going to want to have an LLC. And you form that. You can form that with an attorney. You can do it on your own. seems that a lot of newer real estate investors like to do that. But uh, unfortunately, you know, there's some stumbling blocks there. Uh, but most LLCs uh, give you certain advantages over uh, owning a what we call a uh, C-Corp. Okay. So C-Corp is like Inc. You know, when you hear yeah. Inc. Okay. So 
you don't, you're your own, you're, you own the LLC, the limited liability company. You're what we call a, a managing member. It's usually you or it's closely held between you, let's say, and a partner. And what you get from having an LLC is the asset protection afforded to larger corporations that you always think about, right? Like uh, you're no different. You're treated the same way as, let's say, as McDonald's or any of these other large companies. You get the asset protection. So God forbid something happens with the building or your your property. Somebody trips and hurts themselves or um Oh, there's so many different things that can happen. Right. It's like laws, gray, and there's so many different events that can occur. But whatever it is, when you have an LLC, you're protected personally. Your assets personally are protected because the limited liability company gives you that shield okay. um, from from uh, any type of lawsuit. I mean, you will be, you know, you could be sued, but personally, you're not liable. It's the company. But here's the thing: you have to act like a limited liability company. You just can't form that company and uh, not do all the required items that the state requires you to do on an annual basis. So one of the things that you need to do when you form an LLC is to have an operating agreement, to generate an operating agreement. It's really easy when you have a member, you're the only owner, so they call that a single member LLC. But when you start to have, you know, your friends or your, you, you find somebody you really like to work with as your partner, and now there's what we call a multi-member uh, limited liability company, you really do want to have uh, that operating agreement indicate um, what are the responsibilities, duties, liabilities, uh, of and for each member. Okay? okay. So those people who know me know I, I don't really rail on internet uh, forms and documentation or services because there's so many out there. I love when people download all their information from the internet. It's kind of like practicing medicine uh, when you're not a doctor and you go, you know, you, WebMD. Yeah, WebMD. <laughs> I, I talk to my I talk to my friends who are physicians and they'll say, "Oh my god, I hate the internet because you know people come in and they tell me what the diagnosis <laughs> is. It's completely off." Well, it's actually worse with. Um, law because it's easy to read, uh, you know, a piece of paper. And, and if you're semi-intelligent, most people are if they're dealing with real estate. Uh, you might be a little crazy, but it doesn't mean you're not intelligent. And it's easy to read what what's on the form. That's not really what law, the practice of law is. The practice of law is understanding what the consequences are with regards to those provisions. That's a whole different realm. Okay. And most people don't get that. And so they come in uh, to my office. I, I handle the whole state of Michigan. And they'll come in and they'll say, but I did this or I filled out this form. And see, I got it from legal, you know, <laughs> boom or whoever. We won't say who they are. <laughs> and that's great. But those are very basic documents. And even if you, you know, some of these services will have a, an attorney yeah. online that they can, you know, call online. Well, if they're an out-of-state attorney, I just had this, uh, just recently I had a guy call me, actually a husband and wife called me from Kentucky, and they own property here on the west side of the city, and they're asking questions um, related to this property, and they said, well, we we call, whatever it was, they said, well, what about this provision? I said, well, that doesn't apply here in Michigan. You need to go to a, you know, an attorney in Kentucky. If you're going to deal with Kentucky property, you get a Kentucky attorney. If you're in Michigan, you get a Michigan attorney. Okay. What happens a lot of times is that you're getting advice online 
from people who don't even deal in your state or they're an attorney if you pay for an attorney to be the one who deals with you know the call because some of these services will contract out to an attorney online you're getting very basic information it's usually very cursory yeah. and the most important thing i just had a client if you go online i don't want to be too pluggy, but I I just had a client that we saved over $52,000 uh, on a transaction that he was about to engage in. Okay. He was about to close. And for like two weeks he had called me and he's like, it's by the way, and he's a real great guy. If he's watching, Hey, uh, the documents, <laughs> the document was 85 pages long, 85 pages. And he gets it from a bank that he's going to buy this foreclosure property. It's an REO. And he just wants to pick my brain over the phone. And that's okay. You know, brief, brief, cursory, you know, discussion is good. But 85 pages, there's no way. It's kind of like, again, somebody picking up the phone and calling a doctor and going, hey, my knee hurts or my, I have a pain in my neck. Uh, what can you do for me? To be diagnosed over the phone by a doctor is no different when an attorney has to diagnose an individual over the phone. We have to figure out and analyze the document. I just can't take whoever, you know, is on the other side, their word for what this document says. So 85 pages takes a couple hours to review. I, I can assure you, he didn't want to pay for that. So what did he do? Uh, I'm a member of several groups online and I, every night, uh, my, my kids are grown. And so I have some time on my hands. I'm not chasing after little ones or anything like that. And I'm online and I see this guy asking, there's, by the way, 85 pages at approximately 10 point font single space is a lot of of content he starts cutting the pieces of the contract out and just putting it out there for his fellow investors and saying hey what do you think about this what does this mean well they're no different than he is go to an attorney don't you know don't come to me go to some attorney i feel like i'm lecturing you <laughs> no you're not no, getting yeah. a lecture i do my best lecturing <laughs> the joke is i do my best lecturing at home right <laughs> but um yeah so so always if you're not sure about a document including the most basic of documents you got to get yourself uh an attorney who specializes in real estate yeah that's it's <clears throat> right yeah. yeah you can't do a criminal attorney uh to do your real estate oh, you business. can, but you're probably going to get messed up. So. Yeah. yeah, you can go ahead and right? do that. Yeah, right? yeah. trouble. You'd be shocked what people do. Now, Paul, you, you're running all your stuff through an LLC. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so yours is out of state, so are you running them through a Michigan LLC? No, no, no. It's an Indiana-based Indiana LLC. Okay, so yep. you're, yeah, you're running one out of the state where your properties are in That's right, right. That was you know what, what was recommended to me by my attorney. Okay. Right, the Indiana-based attorney is, you know, to hold uh, my Indiana uh, property in an Indiana LLC. There so, you, go. you know, if there are any taxes to be paid, then I pay those to the state of Indiana. Um, so it gets a little complicated, you know, from sure. a tax perspective, because right. the more properties you own and the more states you own, that you know, I have a CPA that is a specialized in a real estate CPA. Uh, he happens to also be in Indiana, but he, you know, operates in several states. Um, and so I ended up paying taxes in like four different states last yeah. year. Right. Oh, it's that's right. always yes. annoying, isn't it? But you know, <laughs> right, but Paul, you don't need to have four different corporations or four different LLCs. You know that, right? For per, per I don't really know your your cert, you know, your personal circumstances, your yeah. business. But in general, let's say you have uh, properties in Indiana and you have them in Ohio and you have them mm -hmm. in Kentucky. You can have one LLC. They just have to register in that state. 
Okay. Oh, I see. So a yeah. single, a, a C, like let's say I've got my current LLC and mm-hmm. let's say I want to go buy property maybe in Michigan. Yeah. I can use that LLC and I can register that LLC in Michigan as, as well. a foreign corporation. Oh, okay. But the law, like anything related to the property law mm-hmm. is going to be Michigan property law. Sure, sure. So, you know, as you get, you know, a larger portfolio, yeah. you don't have to have a different LLC okay. for each, you know, property. I mean, there are people actually who will have one LLC. I've seen clients, they'll come in, they'll have like two pages of, of properties and they name their properties uh, or they name their LLCs the name of their property. So yeah. like one, two, three Main Street. And they'll just have a list of each property and they have an LLC for each one. Wow. But you don't need to do that. I mean, that's, you know, it's unless you're, right? it gets expensive, it's it a lot of bookkeeping. Yeah. Well, right. it sounds like their their tolerance for risk is real small. Right. What do you do, Jeff? I mean, you have all these properties. What do you do? You have a, how many LLCs do just, you have? I have one. See, That's smart. Just yeah, right. One LLC is all I have. Right. I mean, if something happens, it happens. Let's hope it don't. Yeah. But, you know, you got to look at your risk tolerance is how I've always looked at it, you know. And now, if I had, you know, 40, 50 properties or something like that, I would probably break it up a little bit like right. C class, you know, you're guys you do. doing right. C class neighborhood, B class, A class neighborhoods, multifamily, yeah. break it up. So if something happens there, you lose them or, you yeah. know, you got to litigate, you're just litigating on a little bit. So right. David, you mentioned a, a recent RIA that mm-hmm. um, there's a guideline of how much, uh, how many assets or value of assets per LLC. Uh, no, it's not. It, it's kind of like a. It's not even a rule of thumb. It's just something. It's my own personal preference and uh, from just experience. So you can do it like what Jeff said. Like you could do it geographically. Mm-hmm. You could have an LLC that just says, "I, you know, this is my east side LLC and the west side." So yeah. that's how you just know your properties. Uh, you can do it like what you were saying. You know, level of property. Yeah. Uh, you put property. your. You know, you might have multifamilies under one LLC and your single families under another. Yeah. You can do it any way you want. But, but if I'm, let's say I've got my current circumstance, right? I've got three properties and a single LLC in Indianapolis, or it's an Indiana LLC, uh, and all the properties are in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So if somebody tries to sue me uh, from one of those properties or something else, the those properties are all potentially exposed to that litigation. Right. Right. Who are, right that's correct. That's Now, that's why you'll have some people who are uh, very active in real estate Every property they have is under an LLC. Yeah, that you know, those are very risk adverse people. Yeah, uh, the you know, there's a pro and con because also with each, I mean, it's very inexpensive to maintain an LLC, mm-hmm. but you know, each LLC has to have its own checking account, yeah. savings account, right? Whatever you're using it with. So now it's a lot of a lot of bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. So there's an expense, you know, so kind of a risk reward assessment. Yeah. I think that's a little bit too much. I do like I, I said at the RIA, mm-hmm. which uh, the Macomb RIA is <laughs> you like that? Nice yeah. plug. Yeah. Uh, which is a great great event by the way. Purely educational. Um like three to five properties in an LLC. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what you should look for. That's about what I've heard as well uh-huh. is a three to five properties. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't forget, you're going to have, you know, if you're a responsible uh, property owner, and I'm sure you are, you have to have homeowner's insurance or uh, sure. investment property yeah. insurance. So that's going to be your first line of defense. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I just spoke on this uh, elsewhere. Uh, you know, there'll be people who say, well, why do I need an LLC? I just have uh, insurance. Okay. Well, if you have a home that's, you know, what the average single family home that people are flipping, not flipping, but 
buying is going to be from like 60 to 120 grand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right in that neighborhood. Yep. Right. And uh, am I right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably, yeah, okay. in the normal neighborhood. Right. Yeah, we're not in Birmingham. <laughs> well, Jeff, I'm looking at you, and I'm like, well, I know you go to some great places, right? But uh, it's not like Sturgis, right, Paul? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, no disrespect to our Sturgis viewers, but uh, so when you when you have that uh, insurance, let's say you have a sixty thousand dollar home, the most insurance you can get is a homeowner's policy that's going to have like probably replacement value. Yep. Yeah. So it could go up to like a hundred and 20 to if you have a sixty thousand dollar home 120 mm -hmm. grand let's say yeah okay maybe a little bit more but that's it so what if you have a uh an issue with a tenant and they sue you for a million bucks yeah. right that's not going to cover it that's right so right. people forget that mm -hmm. and i i will tell you the younger i don't know it's not even it's not based on age it's the inexperienced uh investor says i just have the insurance well if you do it long enough and you're a landlord, yeah. you're gonna get sued. Mm -hmm. and, oh, that's guaranteed. Right? If well, you're in the business long enough- You're in court every day, aren't you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to buy. Right. But yeah, you will get sued, yeah. and that's a, that's a fact. It, yeah. Especially if once you get to where you have a lot more properties, mm -hmm. your odds of getting sued, oh, yeah. put it to you that way, are gonna become extremely high, yeah. unfortunately. And Chris, you're hoping to get to that point, right? right. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get there, but you know, right now I'm in the capital stages, so you know, I figured go through wholesaling and to build capital. I did start an LLC, I actually had an attorney start an LLC. That's good. For me. That's um, good. I, I originally started a it was a C corporation, I had him convert it to an LLC. Right. Um, so we have that, you yeah. Know, you don't need yeah. you know, when you're starting out, you do not need to have a C corp because yeah. you have the, the IRS gives you an S election, yeah. which is a um, kind of works like a uh, passive income that goes through your your regular um, 1040 but there's still re more requirements with your c corporation so keep it simple i do the kiss yeah. method you know what okay. the kiss method yeah. is yeah no. you don't keep You're it really young simple. Stupid. Keep, keep it simple keep stupid it. yeah <laughs> kiss method all right but yeah, once once you get to that point, so you've already started so you got the llc but a lot of people like a lot of people watching a podcast don't think that you have to have an LLC to get started. Get out there and take action and get started and get the LLC. It's not that much money to go to an attorney and get it done to protect yourself and protect your family. But don't let that stop you from getting started, getting out there, taking action. You know, we don't want everybody to think in the podcast, you know, out there listening to us that you're got to wake you get all this. Get action, get going and get this stuff along the way to protect yourself. Yeah. So your family isn't said the liability and, you know, it takes some pressure off. It really does for me. I know when I'm signing that and I'm signing underneath the company's name, it, it actually makes me feel a little bit better. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. if something happens down the road, they're coming after the company. Eh, I'm going to lose that. That's going to hurt a little bit, but you'll be okay at the end of it. So I've got a, a question about that. So as a, you know, just getting started with an LLC, right? Um, you're funding a lot of this with your own capital, right? Uh, just to get started, get your first deal. So um, when they talk about port piercing the corporate veil mm. and the commingling of funds, mm -hmm. so what are some of the guidelines or recommendations that you make uh, to make sure that, you know, if I, let's say I drew a short straw, right, and I get sued, I only have one property in there, right? The insurance doesn't cover it. What actions you know, could I have done to pierce that corporate veil and then they end up, they just go after me personally or they're, they're allowed or the judge allows them to go after me personally. 
Yeah, it's a great question. That's a real good one. No, it's a, good, it's a great question. I actually have a case right now. We are actually suing a, um, I'm not going to say the type of business, but it's just the defendant. And we are actually going after, it's, we are piercing the corporate veil. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to request that from the court. Yeah. And um, the reason, piercing the corporate veil basically means the corporation that was set up that you're pursuing mm-hmm. isn't acting like a corporation. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of, it prevents people from hiding behind what we call the corporate veil of all that asset protection and liability uh, that you're protected against. Mm -hmm. If you don't act like the company you're, you're holding yourself out to be uh, using really it's government regulation, uh, Mm -hmm. the state regulation to protect you. If you don't do the things that a corporation would do normally, and I can give you a list, then you can go to a court and say, you know what? Chris, you formed that LLC, but everything you do looks like really you're an individual who's just not following the state corporate, uh, you know, company laws, and you're commingling your funds. That's one. Mm-hmm. That's an indication. Number two, um, not having an operating agreement, not keeping your annual books, not having annual um, uh, voting or whatever your operating agreement requires. Those things, if you don't do uh, that, you say you're doing, you should be doing you're not afforded that protection. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's as simple as that. It's but, an action in equity, actually. And the commingling of funds, I think that's the, the one that, mm-hmm. that concerns me the most. Because yeah. As an example, right, I, I bought a duplex, right, in Indianapolis, and um, I didn't have the funds in my LLC, right? I have one cash-flowing property that after expenses, I'm seeing about two or $300, right? So <coughs> I'm not going to have a lot in my LLC checking account, right? So I went and I purchased that with... Um, personal funds, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's titled in the LLC's name, mm-hmm. right? And I close the LLC's name, sign everything. So, and then, you know, the insurance is paid out of the LLC. And, you know, so at what point is, would that cons- be considered or should I have transferred money into the checking account and then bought it? You know, that's the commingling of funds yeah. and rules there. Let's start, first of all, you know, uh, you the CPA, Mark. Um, yeah. What's Mark's? Uh, I mean, pardon me, Frank. What's Frank. Frank's last name again? Uh, Alcini. Alcini. That's mm-hmm. right. So he would be great uh, for that answer. Yeah. But in general, um, most people start out they're using their own capital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As you progress, you just make sure that you get you know a debit card or a visa yeah. in the company name. I mean, you have you have this issue, and, and this comes up a lot. I, I get these calls quite a bit. Uh, we'll have people call in who now are at a point in their investment career that they can go and get bank financing. Yeah. But they have an LLC. Mm-hmm. So out here, you know, younger investors, uh, we're not talking about age, we're just talking experience, who say, well, if I put my property in an LLC, I'll never be able to get a loan. It's not the case. Um, when you're dealing with the bank, when you're finally at that point where you can go get financing, the bank is going to most likely put the loan in the LLC's name yeah, and then make you guarantee. the individual as the guarantor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're just getting started and you want, you know, let's say you're looking for like a hundred grand and you qualify, but you just haven't been in business a long time for the LLC, uh, for the uh, real estate, mm-hmm. they may say, no, we'll make you personally the loan. We don't want the LLC. Yeah. The, at that point, I mean, I have a whole article online on, on my website about local banking as opposed to national banking. The local 
institution is a better place to go for your loan mm. because a credit union College. or a, a smaller institution, I'm, I'm a yeah. big proponent of, of uh, community banking mm -hmm. and you should always, especially if you're you know newer to real estate, try and establish that really, uh, relationship with a community bank yeah. because then you can walk in, they want your business and you can explain. You have somebody there to talk to who you can say, hey, I'm buying my first or second property. I really would like it to be in the LLC. I really don't want to take the loan out personally. They might be able to say, well, you know, we're going to give you the loan still as the LLC, but you still are signing it personally. Yeah. Okay. That's just how it is. You can't do that with a bigger institution. They're going to say, you have no authority, <laughs> no control. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah, going to yeah. you know boot you out. The thing is, is that you still need that limited liability company protection mm -hmm. so that when you go to the bank, they most, most bankers, I, I worked for the banks for years. Most bankers understand what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You can take the loan uh, in your own name and then put it into the LLC. It would not be a due on sale issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, th there's so many issues like the law is gray. Okay. And yeah. there's so many different events that happen every day in everybody's lives, especially in real estate investment investing. I'll give you a, an excellent example when it comes to LLCs um, where they'll go to the bank. They want to take it out of the LLC and put it in uh, the individual's name. Mm -hmm. And these larger banks actually, now this hasn't happened so much when the, when the market was kind of sour, but now that the market's gotten better and you're dealing with, uh, let's say, more national slash private investors, commercial mm -hmm. lenders, they will consider that a due on sale. Yeah. A lot of people will call in and, uh, to my office and go, oh, well, yeah, that's a due on sale, I can't do that. We have to have permission from the bank. You know what due on sale is, Chris? It's isn't that like when you pay when you transfer the property, right? You yeah, to, you well, have to repay for the property. Basically. Right, I'm not here to put you on the spot. I mean, only here to help you. Um, that's something that's why I drove all the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a due on sale is basically when you convey the property in any way, shape, or form where the title comes out of the the name of the guarantor or the borrower's name to anybody else. The bank has in their mortgage provision that if you transfer it. Our money's due, but if you're the if you own an LLC and it's Chris's LLC and you're a single member LLC, and you borrow the money individually from the bank and then you transfer it to Chris's single member LLC, the argument is it's really the same individual, okay? Okay. But a banker, somebody who's aggressive, could say no, you transfer that. We're going to call it or invoke our due on sale provision. Yeah. So it's better to get permission from your banker. Okay. And that's why community banking, you know, I'm not opposed to large national banks. I work for the larger banks, but they're less personal for a guy who's getting started in, in the real estate. Probably business. less flexible yeah. in their yeah. policies. They, yeah, it is. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you're going to walk in there to a community bank and you'll probably be talking to the guy who actually the guy decided if you get yeah. the loan or not. It's like old time banking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, not like, you know, the big ones you walk in, it's just an employee that sends it up the chain to 50 yeah. people. Right, right. Or your underwriters yeah. in yeah. wherever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. You never even see them. Right. It's like the old savings and loans years ago. Yeah. Oh, right. man, I love that. Yeah. Wasn't that great? <laughs> it really shows right. how I know we are. Yeah, it's kind of showing our age. Old savings and loans. I was a kid standing in line with my parents. Yeah. I don't know oh, about yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was too, but I still belonged to one, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah, Chris, so when, you, when you're getting going, you're saying that, you know, you're just getting going and you're looking at getting into the wholesale business and stuff like that. And, and the wholesale business is a little bit different than the buy and hold because you're not going to have anything in your name. 
yeah. you know, you're going to be selling the assignable of the contract. Basically, you're not going to put the property really in your name. You're just going to get the purchase agreement and you're going to sell the purchase agreement. Okay. Which is, it's, that's kind of like a limit of your liability too, because it's really never going to be in your name. Your end buyer will end up by being in their name. Then it's, you know, something they've got to deal with. But, you know, if you go into the more like what I'm doing now, the uh, wholetailing where you actually end up by buying them and then reselling them, that's something else you want to look at, too. You know, once you start doing a little bit more, okay, you know, than that, because the wholesaling and that's what a lot of people need to understand about wholesaling is you don't bring you don't actually take the property into your name. You don't, you know, that, then the next level yeah. you can. That squatter okay. might might uh, sue you. Well, yeah, you got squatter issues. I've <laughs> got a squatter issue right now. But I am going to go in and buy that one. Yeah. I'm going to buy that one. I'll okay. probably end up by keeping it for a rental. I don't know. I'm trying to decide. What That's are you going to do with the squatter? What am I going to do with the squatter? Yeah. I'm going to have the squatter removed real nice and peaceful. You got an attorney <laughs> you're going to work with on that? No. I wasn't it's looking Detroit for it. It's Detroit now. Yeah. It's Detroit. Yeah. This one's in Detroit, so. Yeah. Okay. They've changed the the squatter laws a little bit down there, where you don't really have to go through the whole eviction process like you once had to. So it'll be a little bit better. From I haven't did it yet. This could be my first time doing it in that situation. Yeah, but we're gonna do it. Okay. Well, we should. You should do a like a roaming camera on that one. It should be really interesting. Actually, I'm going and we're going to get you a bulletproof vest. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's yeah. in Brightmore. Yeah. Anybody that knows where oh, yeah, anything Brightmore, is, this yeah. is in Brightmore. Brightmore is an up-and-coming area. Though. It is, and that's yeah. why I'm going ahead and I'm yeah. going over there. Because you still got to be careful. Yeah. See, I'm not going to argue with you about the new law, yeah. but like uh, I heard you the other night at the RIA, yeah. and then somebody said, oh, really? We can just pull the guy out? And I'm like, oh, well, it's no. a little bit more than that. Right. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be giving anybody legal advice yeah. on squatters, yeah. uh, you know, without knowing the the particular circumstances. But yeah. in general, you can move their personal belongings out. You can't touch them. No, so you, you can't know. touch their body. Yeah, right. You can't touch their body. So good luck with that, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will be hiring people. I'm yeah. a little bit too old to be doing that yeah. now at my stage in life. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's I mean, going to be interesting. The police but don't want to, they don't want to pull you. They won't pull those people out. They'll tell you to go to court. Yeah. yeah. And I don't blame them. Yeah. I, I don't blame them, to be honest with you. When are you doing this? What day? We want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to send it to Erica to get it closed first. Oh, there you the go, right Erica. <laughs> Erica, are you going to go down there with him? What? You're yeah. kidding. What's Boy, the there's an app, app for everything. For <laughs> it helps you find squatters. <laughs> no, Come that was good to here. chime in. I, yeah, 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 no, yeah. that's yeah. very There's a squatters app for squatters app. Yeah, I'm, just, hey, I'm, I'm downloading that right after the show. Does that app allow you to find squatters, or does it allow squatters to find vacant properties? <laughs> yeah, that's a right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. All right. That's really interesting. So you learn you learn something new every time you say. Now, Chris, when you get into the wholesaling. You might run into this because it happens even in the suburbs. Okay. You'll get squatters. I mean, you know, this this particular situation, his renter moved out. And literally, as they were moving out, moving their stuff out, this guy slid in. Hmm. Wow. So would you change the locks or be there to change the locks? Well, he, no he was an that? older guy, and he, and he didn't do that. He got the woman out, and as literally, he said, as they were moving out, he moved in. But, you know, he's in his 70s, an older the gentleman. Squatter. No, the guy that oh, owned okay. the house. So he didn't he didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know, he, he's like a hands-off, I'm just going to get rid of it. You know, wow. he didn't want to have to deal with the situation. But, 
you know, when you come into that, this is some of the kind of stuff as, as a new beginning person, mm-hmm. you know, advice for beginning people. These are the things that you're going to run into that you got to be able to help people resolve. Okay. Especially yeah. being a wholesaler because people are going to call you and they're looking for help. So when they come to you for help, your job is to help them. That's so, what a real estate investor truly, really right. is. It's yeah. a helper. That's, you know, that's why, it, why it's great to be a part of this network because, you know, there's so many people that can, you know, help and so many other, with so many contacts that you can, you know, call when you, you might not necessarily have the answers. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of, of, of this group when, when it was started. This group right here is all about helping. You know, we've decided that's, you know, one of the, the tags of the group is, you know, is sharing the love and helping. And, and that's what it's all about. We've got to help everybody. Why can't we be a big community? that helps one another instead of worrying, you know, have that scarcy mindset. You know, uh, well, they atta- I, I've seen it like where people attack other people online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not necessary. It's, foolish. it's right. not necessary. Right. Why not help? There's plenty of deals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Help you get Although a deal. Although it's, help so, him, it's help okay to, you know, when you see that stuff online to, to recommend. I, I try to do it is you need to go see a real estate CPA and a real estate attorney. This yeah. is not the place to be. You know, asking for that kind of questions. It's crazy. Actually, it's really, you know, when you go online, you see what people put up, like with regards to like, how do I, I just saw one today. How do you do this wood floor? Did you guys see that one? I didn't see that. I was just like, wow. You know, somebody had a really, like one of those uh, hints hints from Eloise. Remember that? Uh, It's like, okay, I'm dating myself. That one might (laughs) be older than me now. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) you know, how to get a, how to get a spot out or something like that. Oh yeah. It's really it's really kind of cool. Sometimes you people come up with really great ideas, yeah, yeah. Uh, or or helpful ten, hints. But the problem is, is that they're, sometimes they're not nice. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, need to that, be that yeah. way. Yeah, there's no sense to be in that yeah. way, and and that's what makes it great with having you guys is getting the help and mm-hmm. and bringing on young guys like you that start. And, and once that. you Thank get you. it figured all yeah. out, and, and you will too, because this You're stuff gonna have is an a opportunity to show, share with us all of your. Uh, Bumps and scrapes. Yeah. Well, you already have a house right now. You have a house uh, right now. No, I do oh. not. Have you have you flipped anything yet? No. 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 He just started. Oh, you really just started. started yeah. yeah. He's today the day. Today's the first day. Never know. We were all green. We all started out somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody started out with zero. Right. And and then you get the moving. What you'll find is 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 you know like David. He does all sorts of stuff. He hasn't even hit the beginning of what he does. When you find out what you really like, you'll dabble a little bit in everything and you touch a little bit of all of it, then you'll figure out what you really want to do. You know, do I want to be a flipper? Do I want to be a wholesaler or a holder or buying notes or selling mm-hmm. land contracts and all this other different stuff? Because there's so many exit strategies right. out mm-hmm. there and so many ways to do the business. Once you dabble a little bit in everything, you'll kind of figure out what you want to do. What's going to be my niche? And we all do. We all figure out what our niche is. We all kind of figure out, okay, here's where we're going. Now, wholesaling makes money. And a lot of us have started out doing that. And a lot of us do flips and different stuff like that to make money. But myself, now I'm going into more buying holds too on top of that. You know, it's, you'll look and you'll figure it out what you really want to do. And I think that's the greatest thing about it. There's so many right. ways. There's so many different exit strategies that can be, you know, confusing on kind of where you want to start so you guys mentioned in the i think in the very first podcast to you know kind of pick your direction and, and stay in that direction and remain consistent in it so you know yeah. that's that's yeah. um that's really good advice that you know i um really tried to you know just do that and for me it's it's about the time you know what strategy can i actually 
you know, apply myself to and, and do with the time that I have available. Um, so right now, wholesaling is where I need to, you know, apply myself mm -hmm. and, yes. you, know, you know, remain consistent at that. And you know, you, uh, if you're wanting to be a buy and hold uh, investor, uh, sometimes you don't need that much capital. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I met at Rio, we met a, a couple. Um, I, don't, I think she's a real estate agent, right? Which is a great way to find out what properties are for sale and what's going on. And she just ran across a duplex that was for sale or the guy was wanting to sell it. And she went over there and talked to him, went down to a local community bank and said, Hey, you give me a loan on this? And he said, yeah, 80% LTV, mm -hmm. put the money down and bought it. And then while she's cleaning it out, getting rent ready, there's a neighbor next door. Hey, did you buy this duplex? Yeah. You want to buy this one? She's like, yeah. So she goes down to the same bank and says, hey, I want to buy this same duplex. Okay. So then she bought that one. And for long, this guy across the street, another duplex, says, hey, dude, you just bought these two. My, my buddy told me you bought these two. You want to buy mine? She's like, yeah. Goes down to the community bank. Yeah. And she bought all these duplexes, right? Okay. And she, now, wow. a little scary for me, buy and hold investors like, okay, tell me about some of the numbers. What are the I want to know about the duplexes. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, like, right. She's yeah. obviously paying good price for it. Yeah, probably. Right. And that's that was a little concerning of right. me is, you know, if you're, we, if you're out buying some of these, you got to make sure you know how to run the numbers, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of the, the horror stories that I hear, you know, Friends and family, oh, we lost our tail in real estate. I, I, you don't want to do that. Yeah. It's like, well, tell me about your numbers. What? How did you run your numbers and how did you know that this was going to cash flow? Oh, yeah, I, I don't want you to, what do you mean, right? No, it's like, cash just, flow. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. So, and, and I asked the same couple that, I said, yeah, t tell me about these numbers. And, uh, you know, so it's very, very important that you be able to run those numbers and understand uh, is this a good deal or is it not? Because just being able to buy a duplex is not good enough, right? It's making sure with leverage that it's going to, you know, give you your return on your investment, right? I agree. Yeah. Now, Paul, I know for sure because I've talked to Paul now several times about these. This guy can run numbers. He's got this down to a science. And that is very important if you're looking at even flips or even a wholesale because you got to know how to run the numbers because it has to make sense to everybody. Okay. Yeah. And that's a problem yeah. with a lot of new wholesalers when they come in, unfortunately. And you see deals out there too coming across tables. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what they're doing because they just go out and get their neat contract. Yeah. They don't understand the, you know, the Mayo and they don't understand, mm -hmm. you know, what ARV or is loan to value. Mm -hmm. They don't get all them issues. And, and it's something you really do need to learn how to do anytime you're going to do real estate. And I know Paul, he's got it down because we talked the other night about some numbers. You know, even in his head, he's doing even it. as even as a wholesaler, who are your customers? Yeah, right. Your customers are guys like me, the, the cash buyers, right? Right. So you got to know if I want to put this property under contract, who am I going to? Uh, who on my cash buyers list is going to take this? And what kind of numbers is, is that those cash buyers looking for? If they're looking for a 12 cap or a 15 cap, when you put that guy under contract, you got to make sure there's enough gap margin in it for you, right? And then you got to make sure that the number you're going to wholesale to him lines up with his 15 cap or 12 cap because I'm not going anything lower. Right. There's, you know, in the right market, you can find that kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, and I, I had a few wholesalers that, we, uh, that I was talking with and, 
um, it was like, oh, you know, let's let's run these numbers and look at what kind of customers are you looking for, yeah. and and uh, you know, some of them had great deals, right? You, you you know, look at the numbers. So that was definitely yeah. Thank you. I mean, you should get a whiteboard, Paul. And I put just, the numbers I, up. I, yeah, yeah, this I mean, is the first yeah. podcast I'm going to do on my own for Dylan. Is uh, I'm going to just be whiteboarding, right? This is yeah. this That's is a great how you idea. run the numbers, man. Right. Right. Yeah, because it's very important. Yeah. And you now, there's apps out there even to run the numbers. There's, there's another different app? stuff. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's Squatter apps. Well, there's use, another. There's other groups yeah, and I, stuff sure. that have them. I hate to plug for bigger pockets, but I run back on back of the napkin numbers. But once the numbers on back of the napkin work, I go and plug it into the bigger pockets calculator, right? Yeah. And then I it prints off a really nice you know report of what all the numbers look like and whether, you know, how well actually they got a good one. I use it myself. It's, too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's actually, it's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand a lot of, a lot of the numbers, but I, one of the things I struggle with is, you know, re- repair values and, and really mm-hmm. putting a, a value on that stuff when you're looking at the property, because you can totally, well, that that's actually a hard one to figure out. And that's going to come with experience. Yeah. Or yeah. sometimes you might even be better off when you're getting started. You know, it might cost you a couple of dollars, but there is contractors that go out there with you for some money and they'll walk through the property and, and give you, you know, a, just a rough estimate. Okay. You know, and they'll tell you, okay, basically, you know, you're going to have to do this, that, and, it, you know, here's how much it's going to cost you. But once more and more you do it yourself, you know, you'll be able to figure that out. Okay. It takes a while, though. That's Ever. something that you're not going to yeah, learn right. overnight. It's all That's evolutionary. Right? Yeah. It's all organic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually... Me personally, I've only been at this for less than a year, right? Mm-hmm. I've got three properties, but, you know, it's taken me some time and I'm still working on it to figure out, you know, um, when I ask for estimates, one of the best ways that I've learned is um, I have certain contractors in Indianapolis that I work with and I'll send them out. I'll do three bids and the bids that come in, I'm very strict with them and say, I want a breakdown of piece price and, and man hours, right? for each line item. And then you can kind of compare that. You can kind of get an idea. Okay, windows. What are my guys going to do windows? And how many windows do I need? Right, flooring. How, what's the square footage of the place, right? Uh, is there drywall? Is there cabinets? You know, and you, you can really go down and, and scan these, these bids and get some kind of an idea. You kind of get a feeling. And then when you walk into a property, you, know, yeah. you can kind of run your numbers and say, okay, this is, this is what it's going to look like. Dylan's got it down you know, down pat. He's, uh, you know, so it, that's like, like you said, it's, it's time and, uh, experience, you know, looking at bids and, and actually doing flips or renovations. All right. Let me ask you something, Paul, how do you manage your properties? Uh, long distance, pardon me. <clears throat> like, I mean, you have a property management company or you I go do. down to the property. What do you yeah, do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm ADD, so you know I manage my manage. Right, pro- you manage your property manager. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to fire mine. I, the, we talked about that on the on the uh, uh, Facebook page. You know, um, you got to find a property manager that you trust, that reti- returns your calls, and that is uh, follow up, follows up, and and gets things done. And I have, you know, I'm a manager in engineering, and I have been for a long while. And, you know, when I'm hiring people, it's the same thing for property managers is if I trust you and you say what you're going to do and then do what, what you said you would do, then you and I are going to get along fine. But uh, so building that team, your attorney, your CPA, your property managers, that's the way I manage my properties. 
you know, God, you, smart. you have to, I've been doing this since 1990 and I learned from some really great people and that's really what we're talking yeah. about. Right. They yeah. shared with me and taught me and, uh, you have, you cannot be an absentee no. owner of anything yeah. and you've got to be on top of people yep. and, uh, um, even property managers. Well, yeah, we were just yeah. talking about yep. that. Yeah. So, uh, one of the big area of my business, uh, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, we sue property management companies sure. for investors. Yeah. Um, there are some people who are, shouldn't even be in the business. I won't name them, of course. <laughs> but their job, really, they're not in the business of being property managers. They're in the business of, of in really ripping off real estate investors yes. and not giving them their rental money. Uh, you know, overcharging them for repairs. Those people don't stay in business too long anyways. Yeah. But um, yeah, you have to, that's why I want to know, you know, one of the, the things that I've always found, actually I learned it the hard way, because uh, I've owned properties all over several states, uh, but it's best to have your properties within like an hour drive. That's kind of how I, and, and clustered in the same type of area. If you're doing buy and hold, yeah. or if you're, you know, if you're a landlord. Yeah, uh, in, in Michigan better. that'll work too. Yeah. If you're concentrating on Michigan, we're in an area where you, the investing is a lot easier than other states. You know, and like down there where you're at, it's easier down there. Now you go yeah. in California and you go over to the West Coast, it gets a lot harder, Colorado, California, them, because the numbers, it's hard to make work. You know, and a lot of them guys are doing long distance just because they financially have to. <laughs> but here in Michigan, it's, you can definitely pick up rental properties anywhere within an hour. You can pick up wholesales, you can pick up flips. There's everything yeah. within an hour of us here. Yeah, it's I mean it's market. it's it's also so if you're like you're running a crew mm -hmm. and you need you know you have to have your handyman go out and take care of tenants or yep. you're trying to flip it. If you yeah. have just that one area, you know who you're dealing with, you know the cost. You can use the same people over and over again. Yeah, over and over. And also have a relationship with the municipality that you're dealing with. Because yeah. that's bigger than I, what people. Think. I was about to say nothing's yes. worse. Nothing's worse than being the newbie that goes to the planning desk or the yeah. or the ordinance desk, and you're like, "Hey, I need this," and they're like, "No, oh, I work with you. We don't know but who I, you are." I've gotten very lucky. I, you know, I've gone through a lot of different people, interviewed a lot of people, you know, had some success and had some failures with people in Indianapolis, and I, I'm very fortunate. I've got to the point. I've got a rehabber that. Uh, he runs his own turnkey business. Yeah. So, you know, I'm probably in the future will buy some turnkeys from him, but he does rehabbing on the side. He, he actually purchases REOs, uh -huh. right? Rehabs them and then sells them as a turnkey, right? Uh -huh. But REOs are starting to slow down a little bit, right? And so he's rehabbing them. But he's very reliable, uh, sends me pictures constantly. We text almost daily. Yeah. Um, and I work with his property manager and uh, he kind of... Uh, uh, indemnifies me to some point, uh, okay. you know, with his right. property manager. He said, you know, if this property manager doesn't work, then I'm going to be on them. And if if they yeah. don't work for me, then we'll move your properties together. To so See, that's it's just all about finding yeah. people you trust. And yeah. that's what makes me nervous about even investing here in Michigan is, you know, now I've got it. I know a, a good attorney and I yeah. know a good CPA, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, property managers and, you know, I don't think even it's if I had here. properties here locally, huh. I don't know if I would manage them to myself, right? Because yeah. I don't I don't necessarily want to be a landlord either, right? Uh -huh. um, but definitely holding people accountable to what they say they're going to do. And if they don't get that done, then we find somebody that will, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Chris, did uh, we scare you off yet? No, absolutely not. <laughs> No, I mean, I, you know, yeah. I think, you know, real estate investing is obviously, it's important. It's an important part of, you know, just 
you know, finance and your, your personal finance and you can, you can do all types of stock market investing, things like that, but everybody's got to do something to, you know, prepare for the future. And I think, you know, real estate is just another, um, tool, you know, to, to help you, you know, uh, build wealth and have, um, other streams of income. Right. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier, you, you had went to college actually and was starting out to do something else. What was that? Um, I originally went to school. I got a business degree and majored in finance. So, you know, I, I originally, I mean, I originally liked, I, I do, I like personal finance. So I originally did that. So just for myself, so mm-hmm. I, so, so I knew how to do it. So I took some classes on, obviously I took a lot of finance classes, but I took some classes on real estate, you know, in college and, and out of college and, you know, knew that, you know, there was just a time that I had to, you know, make that move and, and really start, you know, getting involved in buying properties and, you know, getting more involved in real estate to, you know, help just build that portfolio and prepare for the future. Yeah. I'm just kind of to add like find the, you know, your finance major, you were doing personal finance. The only thing from those books uh, that is helpful are all the calculations that you definitely need to know, yeah. but everything else is just learn by doing. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I'll, you yeah. can trial ignore everything fire. else, trial yeah. by error, yeah. right? Get on it. Yeah. yeah. I almost Absolutely. think I learned more outside of college. Yeah. Well, that's life. Than I did, you know, when I was actually in <laughs> right. there. So. No, but you, you've definitely taken, you know, a path that a lot of people wish to take a dream to take. Now you're, you're going down that path right. and, and it's more about, you know, with, with all of us, it's more about a, a, a more than just financial freedom, it's freedom. With real estate, it can give you that kind of stuff. It can give you freedom. You know, it can make it where you don't have to get up like myself personally. Of course, I'm retired, but, you know, people make fun of me because I'm not getting out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning no more. I'm not doing it. I did that for 32 years. It's not happening. You know, I'm going to get up a little bit later. Sun's up usually when I get up now, but, yeah, it's up. But no, it works. So you guys, uh, you know, as we're coming here to an end here pretty soon, is there any good books that you guys have read lately or anything that you guys podcast or anything else that you guys listen to or read that, that have helped you out that gives you some motivation? Chris, how about you? Um, I would say, you know, on a, on a personal finance note, like one of the books that, you know, I like, and I actually bought it for uh, my stepson who, who's 18 years old and graduating school. And I, it's one of those books that I wish someone would have given me at that age because it it kind of just simplifies things as uh, the richest man in Babylon. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good one, you know, for young kids to start. I think those are just graduating high school and things like that. You know, it just helps helps them build that foundation on, you know, you know how how to move forward in in life and you know what, what to do with your money and how to how to protect it. That's not required reading in in finance school. Uh, yeah, it might have been, but I, at the time, I didn't <laughs> like a base. Right? It might have been. There's some books like that. I, you know, I, I'm an engineer, so I didn't take hardly any finance classes, right? A few, accounting and such. But there's books that I've read that I, it's like, this really, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's another one, right? These should be required reading, right? For, for all college, you know, especially, you know, the idea of, you know, buying assets instead of liabilities, Right. Because a lot of these engineers, doctors, you know, lawyers, they go out and they have these big high-powered jobs. And what do they do? They buy a whole bunch of liabilities that don't make them any money. And it just sucks them, you know. And it's it's disappointing to see that, right? There's not enough financial education in the world. And some of these books are great a great start for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. David, I'm sure you read a lot and listen to a lot of stuff. I, I read way too much at work, right? I'm <laughs> yeah, always yeah. reading. Uh, thank God for podcasts, though, because yeah. uh, um, 
I actually, it's not so much real estate uh, inclined, but I listened to this one podcast called The Side Hustle. I don't know, The Side Hustle Show. I forgot the guy's name. But um, there's a lot of very good principles in that, just for running your own business and um, just in life. But uh, I do listen to a lot more podcasts. Yeah. My stuff's more like uh, personal productivity yeah, uh, stuff. Yeah. I need a lot of self help. Yeah. <laughs> that always helps. Right. And there is, there's so many different podcasts out yeah. there nowadays. And oh, tons of real estate podcasts. Tons of it. I mean, yeah, tons. But, I don't list. I don't read anymore. It's all audible book. Yeah. Which I agree. Because you get in the car, you know, because we're always in the car a lot for real estate. Get in it, kick on audible yeah. book, right. and you can, you know, go at it. But you know, there's nothing more valuable as a podcast than this podcast. That's right. This is this, the best. This video. Right? Well, th this one here is what's going to help a lot of people. And okay. I think that's what it's all about. It's going to be more of a helping podcast like we did here today. Ask questions, say different stuff that helps people. And and that's all part of this group is helping everybody and everything else. And that's why we really like it. Yeah. I was really happy to hear that uh, at the last three, uh, hey, I saw you on the podcast. It's like, well, I hope what I said was helpful, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the whole point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, we all thank you for this. We thank you for your time for the podcast. Um, is there anything you guys would like to say? Is there any way to get a hold of you guys? If somebody wants to talk to you, how can they get a hold of you? Chris? Um, well, I have, you can, you can always send me an email. Um, I probably just send it to my Gmail account. It's uh, chris.j.jens at gmail.com. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. We'll have it in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Put there you go. Yeah, same thing. I'm I'm on Facebook. I'm actually pretty active in a, in a number of the different real estate uh, groups. Uh, definitely in this one. Uh, so get a hold of me on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, um, and then uh, I'll give Dylan my contact information in the show notes. That way, if anybody wants to reach out to me. Yeah, and you do a can. lot on Bigger Pockets too, don't you? You're in there. Um, you know, I use Bigger Pockets, and I, I I'm more of a, a passive observer in bigger pockets i i'd like to ramp that up but uh there's only 24 hours in a day so <laughs> david how about uh, you now they can get a hold of you for all sure all you have to do is type in my name david sobel s-o-b-l-e on google and i pop up quite a bit but uh also i like to talk to people on the phone uh better than email and so triple eight seven eight nine one seven one five you're always welcome to give me a call Okay, guys. All right, we're going to wrap it up now, guys. Thank you from the uh, Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast. We appreciate everything that you did, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. We're going to shut her down. You've been listening to the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast. We just call it the network. To subscribe to the show, go to www.michiganreinetwork.com where you can have the show sent right to your inbox. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to be on a future show, there's a link on the site to submit your info. The network is 100% focused on the Michigan real estate investing community. Whether you're brand new or a grizzled vet, we want you to be a part and share the love. Oh, my God.